This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hi. What are you doing on Saturday? Because if you're not doing anything and you're in the Atlanta area, I want you to come to a live event I'm doing called The Crowded Table Atlanta. It's going to be a one-day get-together slash retreat with a bunch of incredible humans talking about spiritual practices, doing spiritual practices together, sharing stories, sharing food. It's just, it's all all good fun. Like, so if you're anywhere in your spiritual journey and you're in the Atlanta area, you can go to thekevingarcia.com slash events and get your tickets today. And not to mention that the Dirty Rotten Church Kids, the most incredible podcast on the planet, if you've never heard of them, they're going to be doing a live show as a part of the programming. So if you want to meet them, if you want to hang out with all of us, it's going to be a truly amazing time. And if you can't join us in person or maybe live events are not your thing yet, you can join us for free when you join the Crowded Table online community. To do that, you can go to thecrowdedtable.mn.co. That's, um, yeah, and the Crowded Table is a really dope online community that I help curate along with um, some really dope folks. We're really starting to figure out who we are as a community, and it's um, pretty phenomenal. You don't have to believe anything. You just have to, you know, not be an asshole and be willing to, you know, you're somebody who wants to explore spirituality in a non-problematic way. Decolonize your mind. Get rid of your anti-blackness and get rid of your internalized homophobia and transphobia and self-hate, all that shit. You want to come to a spiritual community that we don't give a fuck what you do. We just care about you loving yourself and each other. That's the Crowded Table. So, again, thecrowdedtable.mn.co. And if you want to join us in Atlanta, go to thekevingarcia.com slash events. Bye-bye. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of A Tiny Revolution, a podcast about ordinary folks living revolutionary lives. I'm Kevin Miguel Garcia, and this is episode 166 featuring my friend Christina Cleveland, PhD, um, which we'll talk about why I think that's funny to say all of those things. Anyways, I am so excited to be sharing this conversation with you. We are talking about her newest book, God is a Black Woman, which is on sale everywhere presently truly an incredible conversation just you know when you're sitting in the presence of like a master in some ways that's how i felt about christina um just an incredible kind human Uh, before i get into talking about her let me do just the quick announcements um if you are going to be coming to hang out with us in atlanta i hope you will that's going to be on april 2nd if you're listening to this in real time it's a thing we're doing, we're calling it the crowded table because it's kind of just the, the theme of our spiritual community that's starting to form uh, both online and hopefully in maybe communities all around. Who knows how, what, what we can get into. But it's, it's a space for, I like to say, the spiritual community for all heretics and doubt-filled believers. So whether you believe in something or nothing, if you're looking to do spiritual practice outside of Christian norms, um, maybe with a little Jesus flavor, maybe not, but you just care about caring for each other. Uh, it's a soft place to land and it's a lovely place to invest. Um, we got 97 people in, in the group already. And hopefully once we get the rest of my Patreon folks to migrate to the new platform, we'll be, uh, you know, up and bumping with like over 150 people. So I just got to get everybody migrated, but y'all ain't checking your email. But anyways, if you want to know more about that, you can go to thecrowdedtable.mn.co. And as an added bonus, you can join the Crowded Table live uh, through the digital platform called Zoom. I'm sure you've heard of it. I don't know why I called it a digital. Anyways, let me stop my ADHD. Go to thekevingarcia.com slash events to get your tickets and information on that. And if you want to join the Crowded Table, go to thecrowdedtable.mn.co. That's what I got to talk about for the announcements. And now to talk about who the fuck we has in the house today. It's, again, Dr. Christina Cleveland, 
a social psychologist, public theologian, author, and activist. She's the founder and director of the Center for Justice and Renewal, as well as its sister organization, Sacred Folk, which creates resources to stimulate people's spiritual imaginations and support their journeys towards liberation. She is a weaver of black liberation and sacred feminine ideals. Dr. Cleveland integrates psychology, theology, storytelling, and art to simulate how our spiritual imaginations actually work. She recently completed her third full-length book, which is called God is a Black Woman, published with Harper One, which details her 400-mile walking pilgrimage across central France in search of ancient Black Madonna statues and examining the relationships among race, gender, and cultural perceptions of the divine. And when I tell you, ooh, we truly get into it. It's a delicious time, and I hope that... uh, you walk away and A, go buy the book because it's fabulous. But B, also like, like this is such an integral part for so many of, you know, I know the most of my audience is white. Um, and we have been taught so much that God is white male God. That it is a scary, as one of my friends M says, scary Santa Claus in the sky knowing when you're sleeping and when you're, you know, he sees you when you're sleeping, knows when you're awake, knows when you've been bad or good. And we have to decolonize our mind to something that is actually more helpful for all of us. And I believe that Dr. Cleveland's vision of God as a black woman is something that can heal all of us. So Dr. Christina Cleveland, thank you for being on the show with me. I am honored beyond words. And now to get into it, grab yourself something to drink. I'm currently drinking Tangerine LaCroix. On everyone who hates ASMR, just unsubscribed. It's okay. All right, um, strap in. This is my conversation with Dr. Christina Cleveland. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know what it. I don't know what it is yet. I'm trying to figure it out, but there's like there's something about the energy of orange things. And things like energetically, like that I'm working out in my shit. I'm like, oh, okay. Mm. Um, so who can say? But anyways, yeah. now that I've geeked out and we've talked about cars and whatnot, uh, <laughs> how do you, I ask people to start out with this question. So how do you introduce to your, how do you introduce yourself to people right now? Mm, like on an airplane or something? Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, or you're at a cool, like, you're at a cool like, little event, and like people are like, "Hey, like, what you, what's your thing? What do you oh, like okay. to do? What brings mm-hmm. you joy?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Assume um, it's a safe space, a cool space where people aren't going to be right, you. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, I usually tell people a little bit about where I live, which is on 28 acres in the woods on a little pond in a little A-frame, surrounded by art and black madonnas. And so um, a big part of my life is being on the land. I can't wait. (laughs) I moved here, you know, I was living in New Mexico for most of 2020. um, And I moved to back to New England because this is where the land mothers me. And I feel feel like the land calls me. So I just came here and live on some land and spend a lot of time in the woods year round. So even, you know, this afternoon I'll go and walk in the woods in the snow. And so that's a big part of my life is connecting with, the earth, which is really my mother, because so much of my journey has um, taken me out of the communities that claimed to mother me. Mm. And so I really rely on the earth to mother me um, more than more than I ever have. But in that, I also describe myself as someone who stimulates spiritual imagination. And so I'm kind of creative and artsy, and I'm, I'm coming into my identity as an artist much more um, even though I was raised as a scientist and that's what my PhD mm-hmm. is in the science. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm I wanna, a weaver. I, I want to pull on that thread if I may, because yeah, a, that's absolutely. something your book does and something your Instagram mm-hmm. says, just like kind of a witch, but like with Christian roots. And I'm like, same, <laughs> same. Yeah. Which like, yeah. Cause yeah. I've gotten to a point where I'm just like, I don't call myself a Christian. Cause I don't, that's a, throw a dart and you can hit one, you know? Uh, yeah. So I can't, can't really yeah. tell what that means, but, you know, and then I'll, I also, I read tarot and, you know, keep the mm-hmm. wheel of the year. 
Mm -hmm. um, and very devoted to the many faces of God. Mm -hmm. And, and it just like has just come so naturally to me. I'm just like, Jesus is my brother, my friend and my teacher, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, for this point in my life. Um, So some people will call me a Christian because of that. And some people will call me a heretic because uh, because I lit a candle when I, because I lit a candle when I prayed today. Yeah, you know? and because and because you only said that Jesus was your brother, your teacher, and your friend, mm-hmm. and not your Lord and Savior. Heaven forbid <laughs> that I'm. But the thing is, he's just like he said it. You know, you have called me Lord, Lord, and that is what I am. But now I call you friends. He said it. That so why very, am that was that was very evangelical for you to be like the Bible says so. <laughs> I am just a good biblical Christian out here trying to believe what the word says, you know. <laughs> God, it's it's so annoying that like I've come back to certain things and was like, oh yeah, that was truer than true. Shit. Oh my gosh. I had that experience at a Buddhist retreat when I mm. um when I learned that love and fear are like the basis of everything and every thought, emotion, and behavior comes from either love or fear. And I'm like, I feel like that's the same thing that that first John says, like perfect mm. love casts out fear. You know what I mean? Like I was like, my mind coming circle, full circle. <laughs> like, maybe like all truth comes from the same source, and it just flows in different religious streams, you know. But I was just like, I I heard that mm-hmm. <laughs> at the church. It was communicated in a much more violent way. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, if you have fear, it's because you don't have love. But I think what First John was really saying was, hey, all thoughts, emotions, and behaviors come from either love or fear, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is like what I heard in the Buddhist retreat. <laughs> yeah, and you can tell which ones are coming from love or fear based off of the, the your body the vibe the vibe what's happening yeah. to you when yeah, you believe that exactly vibe. yeah totally yeah. So, but yeah it is interesting when you um yeah you notice gosh there's some really incredible truth in scripture mm-hmm. amidst all of the violence and patriarchy and uh anti-blackness and you know <laughs> yeah it's it's one of those things where like I don't hold the Bible up as like any holier than my own story. Like, and I think that's something that you in your book really, cause like this is, this is, I learned, I learned this shit from Audre Lorde and James Cone and all them. Just like, you need to believe like what's happening, what's in front of you. And uh, specifically uh, what I believe I'm picking up through your work is like, you're super womanist. Yes. You would, would you say that? Yeah. I would be honored to be included in that group. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Meaning so like just like, you know, I'm prizing and, you know, centering the experiences, thoughts, theologies of black women as mm-hmm. a source of deep wisdom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and a deep knowing. Um, yeah. A deep knowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What you do so love wonderfully in your book is I th- I think especially when you talk about like the chapter, the the god of the the gag reflex. Oh yeah, white, white male gods disgust for human need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. you you start off so beautifully talking about just like when you learn not to have need, and uh, so I wonder for you, like, well, I guess let's just dive into book stuff. Okay. God is a black woman is talking about your experience going on pilgrimage to visit these different black Madonnas throughout um, different areas of France, correct? Yeah, one region, Auvergne region, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so for someone who doesn't know what a, the Black Madonna, who she is, what she's about, uh, what's your, do you have like a, a short version to say, this is how? Sure, this is she. yeah, she's a, she's a Black version of the Virgin Mary, um, and she's usually connected to the earth, she usually is associated with like really fun and feisty miracles. And um, most Black Madonnas have like a deeper lineage. So they're sort of housed in Catholic churches and sometimes the Catholic church claims them, um, but really their lineage goes back to the great dark goddesses of old, like Isis and Sybil and Black Artemis of Ephesus and Demeter. Mm-hmm. And so, um, 
they aren't they can't be contained by any religion mm. or people and there are about 450 um, official black madonnas around the world so they're mm. they're almost on every continent and so people of all races venerate them and different religions so for example the black madonna in senegal um in west africa is like a pilgrimage site for muslims hindus and christians so Interesting. a lot of them are super interfaith yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah to say nothing of the folks that are like kind of venerate them through indigenous or like avant-garde witchy spirituality mm -hmm. so. brilliant mm -hmm. i think what i love i really have loved about the book is the like as i was listening to it like i, I mean like i think like people will automatically hear god and in america and think oh she's gonna talk she's gonna talk about jesus now because that's that's who we associated with. Nope. Like mm -hmm. as we're going, as I'm going through this, I was like as I'm listening to this, I was like, not a once has she said talked about Jesus, and I love that <laughs> because I'm just like, she's like, oh, she gets it. She's, he know, she knows he's not the point. Mm -hmm. And yeah, um, I mean, that's what's, I think that's one of the things that's powerful about just like marian devotion or mary worship in general is recognizing that like mother of god or the god birther mm -hmm. is god mm -hmm. and um i love how in the the greek orthodox church there's this like ancient hymn where they call her they call mary the enclosure of the god whom nothing can enclose <laughs> which is just like like this is reality mary is reality mm -hmm. right and like everything mm. that's within her like we might try to parse that out and be like oh that's jesus or that's so and so but like she's the enclosure of the god who cannot be enclosed so like mm -hmm. she's it you know so it is it is cool to kind of take especially as someone who's been so um injured by a white male version of god you know, it's really powerful to like encounter these black Madonnas where they might have the baby Jesus, they might not. But either way, that's mm -hmm. not the point. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. You, um, you talk a lot about in the book about uh, leaving, like learning to leave the plantations of, of different areas of your life. I also like caught your live with Austin where y'all were talking about that too. Mm. Um, about mm -hmm. having to leave this pl these plantations or these spaces where, you know, white male God and his servants are, they expect your worship or your devotion or your allegiance or your subservience to them. Um, wh when did you, at least, I know that you've, like, you've worked in like Ivy League land for a while. I'm like, that's like where like you've done a lot of your stuff. Um, when did you know that you needed to leave those, like to, that you needed to leave those spaces? Um, well, in 20, yeah, not in 2017. So about um, one year into my journey towards the sacred black feminine, um, my, my entire digestive system shut down. I was bedridden the whole summer of 2017. Um, and I took all these tests and like, I was in the hospital all the time. Um, and all my doctors, the whole team of doctors at Duke Hospital just concluded that everything, like all my, all my digestive issues were just the cause of unresolved trauma. And so I just remember like getting that diagnosis, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is not really a diagnosis because like, what do you do with that? It's not like you're like, and then take this pill, <laughs> you know? No, it's just like, uh, hey, or, or uh, even, this is all like your internal world fucking yeah, with you. And also, exactly, bit. yeah. And also it's not like you can even have a surgery to fix right. it, you know? Like there's no radiation treatment, like there's no nothing. And so I remember going home and just like, I had a soaking tub at my house and I would take a bath every night. And I would just remember thinking, my life is literally indigestible. Like this job that I'm trying to do at Duke, where I'm, I was, I was hired to be the director of the Center for Reconciliation at Duke, and, and so I, I was there, and I was there trying to do reconciliation, literally on the plantation. Like the plantation's ever going to lead the reconciliation movement, you know? What I mean? <laughs> like I was, I just remember going to Duke Chapel, which is this huge, like phallic Gothic structure in the middle of campus, mm -hmm. and right oh, when you walk there. in, there's. Yeah, and there's like right he's no longer there because of the like racial reckoning a couple years ago, whatever. But when I was faculty there, the first um the you know, you walk in and there's a life size uh, monument to uh 
Robert E. Lee in the chapel right next to like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and stuff. Like it's like you have all the like church saints. Abraham, Isaac, <laughs> Jacob, Robert E. <laughs> the, like, the church, right? the, the fathers of yeah, our right? faith. I knew it. Exactly. I it's like literally it. you have all these saints lined up and then also Robert E. Lee right there with them. And so I'm, I remember going there and being like, and I'm supposed to be reconciliation here? Like what? So I just remember, um, you know, having this physical, my, my body literally was like, I quit. And actually like, gosh, it's amazing that it took that long for my body to quit. That just says a lot about the resilience, the, my, my own resilience, mm-hmm. because um, as fuck. yeah, I had to start just like realizing though, like this is not a sustainable situation. And that, that's when I started looking specifically at my vocational work, which had been at Duke and then also in white evangelical colleges where I was doing reconciliation work. Um, so that was one plantation I had to get off of, but there were so many plantations, you know, leaving my church space, leaving, um, leaving behind a lot of friendships, um, leaving behind a lot of like really re- rethinking my family relationships. And yeah, I mean, there's just so many mm-hmm. opportunities for freedom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to say, I'm too sacred for this. I am too sacred for this. I'm too sacred Ooh. for this. <laughs> Yo, put that put that on a poster and a shirt and just send it to people who need it. Listen, make yourself a little printful, make yourself a little coin. The side hustle is real out here. Seriously, people well, will buy know, cute shirts, I'm telling you. Rea- people do buy cute shirts, it's weird. Um, but I want to do a reality show where I just like go into people's lives and help them identify that like the like anti-black or like whatever racist relationships that they're a part of and just help them just get out. <laughs> Like, yes. like help them like tell their friend, their racist friend that they're no longer, cause I'm like really good at firing friends. That's one thing I've learned is how to fire friends and um, how, like to to fire, know, how to fire, how to fire your pastor, how to fire your pastor, how to fire your therapist, how to fire your family member. <laughs> Listen, okay, so this, this is good. So I am always the person like when I'm talking with folks, like there's just like, okay, I have to keep this relationship because you know, we have, you know, we're family or we have a kid together, you know, if that's mm-hmm. the thing, I'm just like, okay, so I get that. But for mm-hmm. folks like, for whom like the boundaries have been crossed so many times mm-hmm. and it's getting to the point where just like, you know, for a lot of us, just like we have these stresses and um, I mean, I'll say for me as a, as a queer human is like, I developed um, mm-hmm. some digestive shit as well, like mm-hmm. <laughs> around like, um, mm-hmm. and I developed like towards the end of college, I was having panic attacks like all the time mm-hmm. and I didn't know what was going on because my body had so much stress from the dissonance. Yeah. And it was because I was forcing myself into these boxes and I mm-hmm. tried to tried to fire my pastor, but then he like, you know, sweet talked me back in. Mm-hmm. So how do you fi- how do you fire a pastor? How do you fire those people? <laughs> well, I think the question, I mean, even what you just said, like we're family or we have a kid together, you know, like I think one of the things that I awakened to through my journey to the sacred black feminine is how much white male God taught me that faithfulness means being faithful to everybody but yourself. Faithfulness means steadiness, right? Faithfulness mm. means steadiness. Faithfulness means never changing mm. your tune. It means never changing. It means never changing. <sighs> It means never Ever. growing. And I also just realized how much white male God like keeps us trapped in these relationships because we believe like because of white male God's like gross um, linear relationship to time. Like time isn't fluid yeah. or abundant or like um, permeable. Time's always time is, running out. Time is always running out and time is static and linear. And so like the whole concept of valuing a friendship that's just for a season. And actually being able to let it go, like just welcome it in and then just let it drift away when it's time. That feels like, I mean, even just the way white male God conceives of marriage, it's like marriage to one person forever and ever and ever. And it's just, or else that's not faithful or else that's not good or else there isn't love, you know? Or it's invalid. Exactly. It's invalid. Right. And so um, it was starting to piece together these like broader white patriarchal themes in my life and then applying them to my, my relationships. And it's realizing, wait a second, this person is theologically incapable, does not have the spiritual imagination to see my sacredness. And the more and more I got connected to my sacredness, the less tolerant mm. I was of that. 
And so we'd have, we'd, yes. in some cases, we'd have a conversation and I would say, this is, I need X, Y, and Z from you and I need you to get into formation fast. Sometimes mm -hmm. I would just be like, this situation is so violent and toxic. I'm just going to ghost them. Because mm -hmm. I, I learned as a woman is to always prioritize my well-being. Mm -hmm. It is not my job to teach someone another way. It is not my job to help them disentangle from white patriarchy. It is not my job to like, so, you know, and it's, and it's like, I, I, I work with all these friends who work with domestic abuse survivors. And mm -hmm. the first thing is just get out, not right. reconciliation, conversation. How are we going to co-parent the kids? The first thing is just get out. Right. And so I, I, in some relationships, I just got out and then maybe later circled back for conversations. In other cases, just was like, you know what? I bless you in my meditation practice and I keep on moving because there's Listen. just. And then the more I got connected to a sacred Black feminine, God is a Black woman, the more I'm like, she's got them. I don't need to go back and rescue them. Like, I'm not responsible for them. I'm mm. not responsible for their salvation, I, whatever, you know what I mean? It's like, yes. And so, yeah, I just, I remember telling one of my pastors, I was just like, yeah, this church is, uh, I don't, I don't, this church said, I, I, I don't know, oh, sorry. I don't know if you, um, like, I don't know if you've gotten to this part in the book yet, but I talk about an experience I had at this church called, um, that I call little, the, my little plantation, on, little, little plantation on the prairie church, because it was in Minneapolis. I think not and, yet, but um, I'm going to get there. Yeah, it's, that's part of a whole section called Severing My Career as Christianity's House Nigger. And so I basically go and talk Ooh, about all these things. The name! <laughs> I know, right? Um, and so I was at this church, and I just tried to told the pastor, like, you talk a game about racial justice, but this church is a little plantation on the prairie for me and I'm out, you know? And, mm -hmm. um, and then I, a bunch of black people followed within the next few weeks there weren't a lot of black people there, but I was sort mm -hmm. of like the, the mother hen of the black people. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, I got labeled a Jezebel and Christina's dangerous and Christina's, you know, out there causing problems all, or whatever. It's always the word dangerous. I'm like danger. Yeah. I'm dangerous. Like I know. Well, I am kind of dangerous in the sense that like, oh. don't sleep on me. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know like, what I mean? But, but in that sense, I was literally just leading people to liberation. And so the pastor was threatened by that. And I am, I'm not dangerous in the sense that like, I'm not out there, like, I'm not out there like trying to bring people down, but I will mm. speak truth, you know? Oh yeah. And, and so, like, yeah, but it's, but I, it's, I mean, there's something very subversive about black um, sacred femininity. Mm -hmm. It's like, and no, also just no like <laughs> I'm sure you've already like gotten this already but there's going to be the person who's like God's not a black woman Jesus was like <laughs> Jesus was I saw a comment was, on somebody's thing it's like Jesus was clearly white and by the way I'm Israeli and Jewish so I would know and I was like um, hmm there's a lot to unpack there yeah but like I just like <laughs> I can't <laughs> Yeah, I got a lot of that early on. Um, and, I, you know, I, when I first went on my Black Madonna pilgrimage, well, when I went on my, back, my Black Madonna pilgrimage in 2018, mm -hmm. um, I was still kind of seen as this, like, evangelical mascot. And so I was, mm. like, speaking in all these, like, really high-profile events in the evangelical world. I, I had just finished my tenure as a columnist for Christi Christianity Today magazine. Um, I was still a professor at Duke. Um, and so it was very shocking for a lot of people when I went on my pilgrimage because I'd been having this like internal transformation, um, mm -hmm. but then just still continuing, you know, because I was in my process. So I was just still on the outside doing what I had been doing, even though on the mm -hmm. inside I was changing a lot. And so my sort of announcement or like debut as a witch or whatever was when mm -hmm. I went on my Black Madonna pilgrimage and I was like, I'm just going to post what I'm doing on this pilgrimage. Like I'm not, I'm not going to hide it, but I also, the pilgrimage was for me. So I was like, I'm not going to be out here doing an apologetic and explaining myself to people. I'm just going to post this mm -hmm. is what I went to visit today. And this is what I'm experiencing. And I was like, I'm kind of curious to see how people respond because at that time, like I had way more followers on social media and my average followers, like by, you know, a little bio was like, Kevin, lover of Jesus, father, pastor, husband. You know what I mean? Like something yeah, like that. Yeah, that would right? be like, me if I if I had like stayed. If I had stayed. Yeah, right. That was like literally 
like average follower and now my average follower is like wichita tarot witchy <laughs> and like candles you know what i mean <laughs> like, no it's, it's like, just like evil eye emoji black heart emoji bat emoji that's yeah it. or something like that right and like yeah and so it's like these um these very like this it's changed a lot but all those folks those like pastor father husband you know like people you know they had been following me and like propping up my book I wrote this book that about the divisions in the church that a lot of pastors read and you know Christina Cleveland so great inviting me to the stuff and then as soon as I changed my tune you would think right these people who have been listening and learning and benefiting from my wisdom would be like oh let's lean in Christina's a wise teacher. No, that's not what happened because no. I'm a black woman and there's nothing holy about black women in there. As long as I contorted myself into what they needed me to be and was stayed on mm-hmm. the plantation as the house nigger, then they mm-hmm. were going to listen, sort of, but not really because now I see they weren't actually seeing me as a spiritual leader in their lives. Yeah. You were, I just happened you were to the, be offering something that they could use. I was the prop, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so then I, so I lost like tens of thousands. I mean, just like complete obliteration when I went, when I just started asking these questions. I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to be out here visiting these Black Madonnas, seeing what comes up and writing about what comes up. And um, yeah, so they all left, which was great. It felt like a cleansing. It was just like, I like y'all, but not really. Bye. Yeah. I mean, it was, my soul was like this deteriorating you know like i was at Mm. these speaking engagements being like this is whack y'all are whack this ain't it Mm -hmm. i don't believe that you're gonna do change make change right (laughs) so so this is where i am in the same boat as you where like i um i was working for reformation project a couple years ago and then it went tits up because you know white men in power do white men in power things um even though the organization was built by queer trans women i didn't know reformation i I guess i didn't know that organization does that organization still exist reformation project yes Hmm. um okay i i haven't i haven't haven't been connected to it in years so i I didn't know what was going on okay oh long and short of it um what was because mm, let me not air tea on the air we can talk about that later okay but it's all on the internet so it really doesn't matter i could talk about it because it's not gossip if it's online Anyways, is it? I don't know. It totally to is gossip to just... if it's online. A half of online is gossip. God damn it. Well, let me not stir the pot more. Like, this is like a pot that's two years old. Like, let's let okay. it die. Yeah, um, I, that just goes any... to show how disconnected I am from even the more progressive aspects of the, the, the progressive <sighs> streams of Christianity because, like, I had no idea. I knew, I knew people who worked for them, but I guess, yeah, anyways. Oh yeah, I'll uh, I'll send you some links you can read on your own if you like open letters and whatnot. Um, I this is also something I'm I'm wrestling with. This is a side tangent. The thing I'm wrestling with in myself is that I know that ultimately that little bit of like part of me that is, you know, a drama queen because you know just <sighs> there's nothing more delicious to me than just like good tea. And I want to sit with my friends and I want to just, I want to be right sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I want to be right so bad because I have been told I've been wrong so much. Yeah. And the thing I am kind of recognizing now is, is that it does like being right has never actually made me completely happy. Like even if, cause even if I get it right, that means that some, like that person doesn't, think I'm right I didn't get the thing I wanted from them all I got was stress and like thinking I have to to win and that's something that capitalism does to you and I don't want to do that so white patriarchal yeah 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 Yeah, I mean it makes so much sense to me and I can really relate to that because I remember earlier on in my journey towards the sacred black feminine where I was like really deconstructing so much of the white patriarchal religious conditioning I had. I, um, I really, really, really craved affirmation. And that feels, that feels very normal because on the one hand you feel unsafe, you're, you're venturing into the unknown. Um, and also we've been taught that certainty is like a fruit of the spirit. 
And so well, if you are me, like venturing out, right? Yeah, right. And so like if you're starting to ask questions that um, undermine your sense of security in the world, mm-hmm. either financially or relationally or spiritually or whatever, you're like you just want you just want affirmation. Okay, you're on the right path. Just keep going. Just you're gonna be okay. Like, and so sometimes that affirmation looks like people agreeing with you. And so then you, you're, it's actually threatening when people don't agree. And you get feedback where people are like, well, I think you're a heretic or I think you're whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then it's like that's when I think I have these impulses where it's nice to see a, an organization that hurt me sort of self combust because it feels affirming of mm-hmm. my my journey and my pain. And I think the the more I've I have found security in the sacred black feminine, the mm-hmm. less I need that. You know, the more the more yeah. I feel, the less I need that. And the the easier it is for me to say now when someone disagrees, well, well, you could be right. That's mm. possible. You know, um, but that's like super 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 hard, and it is yeah. But I totally yeah, really, yeah. I, I can relate so much because you I mean we're social beings we want. We want to be affirmed, we want to feel safe, and we want to feel embraced mm-hmm. by our community. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Can I ask your advice slash opinion, re? <laughs> fo- so, like, I, the most most of the folks I work with are deconstructing evangelicalism, leaving Christianity, like, kind of moving in some sort of expansive spiritual space, and I kind of help facilitate those kinds of things. And what I notice more than anything, especially, like, around fellow content creators, is that the most shared the most uh the thing the algorithm pushes to people more than anything is reactions to people behaving badly like specifically Mm -hmm. like i'm gonna pull Mm -hmm. this evangelical Mm -hmm. you know right now the guy Mm -hmm. from skillet is in in the headlines for saying i'm declaring a war on deconstructing christian and christianity like and i'm sitting over here i'm just like i wouldn't have known that had my friends not shared it because I'm I I don't care anymore. Because it's just like, well, he said that. I'm like, yeah, are you surprised? He really thinks that. Isn't that crazy? That's my reaction now. When you're working with I don't know if you're working with folks, but when you talk to folks about like, well, let me you said as the as I've journeyed toward the sacred black feminine, my connection to these even progressive streams of Christianity have kind of gone by the wayside mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that sounds so healing in some ways because now it's just like, <laughs> i'm not even letting i don't let the yeah. idiots control my mood anymore is what it sounds like yeah well you know i think i think for me it has been about managing my trauma too um i, I i'm i'm not unique um to most people who are ex-evangelical in the sense that like i have a lot of pain and you know trauma in that space i am unique in the sense that i I held and occupied really high profile spaces in that and was sort of like made an example of in some ways, you know? And so mm-hmm. um, my, 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 my experiences, you know, are different than some other folks. And so I have had some friends who feel more connected to that world. And I've had to just say, yeah, don't fill me in on the latest drama mm-hmm. in that because I'm like you, I don't really care what the skillet guy is saying and I'm not surprised and I'm not interested in like having a debate about why it's a problem. Um, like, it's, a, it's, a, it's a parent. Of it's co- a like- parent, yeah. And other people I think maybe find um, solace in talking about it, but I don't. I, I'm, I'm, I find solace in like being in the woods and just like being like, yeah, that's my old life and I don't even want that energy to be a part of my life anymore. Um, but I think that that's just a decision I've had to make around boundaries and it's cost me some friendships. I have some friends who very much want to keep one foot in that world, you know, and, and mm-hmm. that's, that's painful, but, um, yeah, yeah I'm kind of like, ugh, I don't really need to talk about the mm-hmm. latest terrible thing that someone's doing in that world that is inherently terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like people are and also- doing what they're taught to do, like. Yeah, I'm just like, of course, like he's behaving badly. His paycheck is now threatened for the first time in his life. The empire is crumbling around him and he sees that, guess what? The royalties on your music are not going to pay for your kid's college, bruh. Because your music's not that good. Yeah, it was never that good. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean. And it's just like, it's just like people, it's it's like, you think that people can't see the hypocrisy, but they can. 
Like just, mm-hmm. and it's something you said, like, I don't have to worry about that guy. Spirit has him. She's got him. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. uh-uh, no. You do not chew on the banister, young lady. Thank you. He's Sorry, not talking to me for people who are listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. My dog's over in the corner, just like she's sitting at the window, just chewing on it. I'm like, what do you know? You have a bone right there, dude. Yeah. Oh, you know, you, no, I will say, I will say, you know, honestly, I think part of it's developmental. I don't mean to say yeah. developmental in this linear, like gross, like, oh, I'm beyond that in my journey sort of way. But I think um, in, um, so I always keep going back to the metaphor of the plantation, right? And I, I have, and there's been so many, I've, there's been so many times on my journey where I thought about Harriet Tubman. Now, Harriet Tubman mm-hmm. at some point woke up and was like, I'm too sacred for this. Mm-hmm. Right. Like at some point. But I wonder how many days or months or years lapsed before she actually left. And so I think there's like a sacred period in between where we realize something is really wrong and we deserve better. And the period in the point at which we actually are ready to just say goodbye to the plantation and and risk everything and risk everything right because you literally are risking everything and so I think like there was a time in my life where I was kind of like those people who wanted to just fixate on the toxic things that were happening in that space and that was part of my process of sort of drumming up the courage and the freedom to actually step in the direction of my sacredness Mm-hmm. And I think that's, a, I think that's like a really holy time. And so I bless the people who are in that space. And I bless the people who are holding space for people who are in that space. Like I remember, um, I guess it was 2014, 2015. I, I worked with a few other black women mostly to kind of curate these large gatherings for women of color in, in evangelical spaces. Mm-hmm. And I, rem- I feel like a lot of what we were doing there was holding space for people to be like, Shane Claiborne said this and it was racist or John Perkins said this and it was racist or sexist or what, you know what I mean? Like it was a lot of like lament and mm-hmm. I look back at it and I'm like, oh, like how laborious. Like we literally just like, were, I, I literally, my, I called my house the haven for sacred weary of, I, the, the, the haven for weary women of color. That's like, and I had over 160 women in a two year process my friend in. had a mug. I actually exactly. have that mug in. Totally. No, I have that I, mug in my cabinet because oh, no uh, yeah. we've moved and just mugs, ended up right? with me. Exactly right. I didn't know but, it was you. I made, totally, that was my house in North Carolina, and I like over 160 women came over to your period who were all like refugees from the evangelical world, all women of color. Someone, I you know, I just quit my job at Willow Creek. I just quit my job working for CCDA. I just quit my job working for Young Life. I need a place to just heal. And I literally had a house called the Haven for Weary Women of Color. And that's what it was, right? It was people literally coming to my house and just grieving the reality, but still going back to it a lot. You know what I mean? Like not really ready yeah. to leave, leave. And And it's funny because when I finally finished, um, I did like a two and a half years of like really intensive trauma therapy with two different therapists. And as my parting gift to them, I gave them my mug, a mug, the last two mugs that I had of that whole set that I made. And I, cause I just said, I no longer identify as weary. Wow. I'm not Come interested through. in creating a haven for weary. And also women of color means nothing to me. I'm a black woman. Hello. <laughs> like, I'm not even trying, I'm not even trying to hold, you know what I mean? Women of color, that's a totally rife problematic term. Anyway, you know, my work is centering black women from here on out. Mm. But also I was just like, yeah, those days of me identifying as weary, and putting up with these toxic spaces and holding, like, trying to hold healing space for people who were literally just getting a short break from the toxic space they were going to go back to, those days are over. But I also feel like that was like a really holy time because that was part of my process. That was part of my journey, you know, like having these conferences where we sit around and talk about these people who literally I don't even think about anymore. Because I'm just like, I'm too sacred for this and I'm out. I'm out. Like, I'm not going to try to fix it. I'm not going to try to save these people. I don't believe that if I don't say, no one will. Bah! I don't believe that anymore. Yes. I don't believe that anymore. 
I don't believe that it's my response, that their salvation is my responsibility. I remember there's this poem by um, Donna Russian, The Bridge Called My Back poem, The Bridge poem. Mm -hmm. And there's a line where she says, I'm tired of mediating with your worst self on behalf of your better self. My, my. And I'm just like, I'm not doing that anymore. That's it. So bless you, skillet dude. I hope you get what you need. And don't worry because the sacred black feminine is coming for you. Oh, um, and she loves you so much. And she loves you so much. And she just wants to, to rescue you. Mm-hmm. And it's your choice if you want to be rescued, you know? Let me tell you but. what, like, the the thing that just popped up was actually um, when I was still in missionary world, uh, Donald Miller's Scary Close came out. And, like, that was the, oh, it's such a great book on vulnerability. Which, for, a, for a straight cis white dude, sure. Great text. Um but the thing I remembered at the end, he was actually just writing about getting married. And the, the line that just always stuck with me was like in his vows, he said, I was taught my entire life that I was supposed to rescue somebody. But in the end, I found out that I was the one who needed to be rescued by you. And like, I think that hit me. I'm just like, that is actually how, for me, my experience of my spirituality was like, I thought I had this call or this mission this thing i had like this my my debt i cannot repay to this jesus who was slaughtered for me uh so i have to get i have to do all these things that i don't like otherwise i'm going to burn in hell and so it's like Mm -hmm. I, i look back at that now and i'm just like oh i thought like i had to rescue everything around me i have to save the world it's on you and that is not good news and i think it's not good news and it's actually like a really i i, I noticed that in myself and it's like an agnostic way of living a life as a so-called believer like oh no no disrespect to agnosticism but i was calling myself a believer but i was out there speaking at events because i felt if i don't say it it won't get said if i don't fix it it won't get fixed if i don't protect these people they won't be protected yes. you know and it's like Okay, but wait, like, isn't there some spirit or universe or divine force that is mm-hmm. like working, like that I can relinquish my cares to, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's like, yes. no, actually, no, because white male God hates me and mm. I can't trust white male God. So um, on the one hand, I'll be like, yeah, I praise you, praise you, white Jesus. But on the other hand, I'm out here wearing my sacred black female self out, trying mm-hmm. to cover all the bases because mm-hmm. I don't actually believe that that God has my back. Or any of our backs. Or can actually do anything to help the situation. Exactly. Yeah. And so once I finally got connected to an image of God, mm-hmm. where I'm like, oh, a black woman's in charge? Oh, it's handled. My- oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So I can just I can just participate in the work. And I can mm-hmm. actually take a nap. And I can actually say no. Mm. To people, mm-hmm. if it's mm-hmm. not if, if my skills are not a good fit for what they need, mm-hmm. or if I just don't feel I or if I just don't feel like it because I don't like them or I don't feel safe, you know what I mean? Like it can be remember, as simple as I don't like them. You I don't like you them. don't have to like everybody. Everyone, newsflash. Mm-hmm. Did you know we don't have to like everybody? Because <laughs> no, you're not for everyone, and I'm not for everyone. You know what I mean? Like it's just and so mm-hmm. and also like I remember. Oh gosh, I remember. I forget the guy's name, but he's this like really famous black evangelical pastor. I feel like he has a church in Memphis or something. Um, he's mm-hmm. black, but all the white evangelicals like him because he's like conservative Todd white? and not Todd White. No, no, I forget his I'm name. But anyways, white... yeah, I see. I he's somewhere in Memphis, in Tennessee. I want to say Memphis, but anyways, he. I remember him saying, um, you know, reconcilers are bridges, and bridges get stepped on. And I remember being like so grateful for that like theological explanation for my exploitation. Like I, cause I had been in these spaces just getting clobbered as a black woman, as a reconciler. And then for someone to basically give me a cross theology that like makes sense of my pain, I was like, oh good, okay, so I, it is okay. It is okay yeah. that I feel terrible all the time and I'm completely disrespected and my sacred black femininity is completely stomped out all the time because that's what Jesus wants. <laughs> like, Bridges before the gospel to get more souls over to heaven. Yeah, and I'm just like, oh I my God. Like, and then to actually 
wake up like Harriet Tubman one day and be like, but wait a second, I'm actually too, I'm too sacred to be stepped on under any circumstances. Any. Even, even in the service of the quote gospel, which is actually not good news to me and my black female body. It's good mm. news to some white person's body, maybe, you mm. know, but not to mine. And so to realize that like, wow, they've literally been lying to me my whole life. That's it. They've when literally I... been lying to me my whole life. I think that's what a lot of folks need to like wake up to is just like, cause it's, we, we, it's like, we wake up to the thing, we see the problem. And then also there's a, a guilt and shame of, I was involved with this thing for so long. I'm responsible to fix this systemic problem that's been going on for forever. And in some ways, yes. And in some ways, no, it's like something my friend Andre Henry asked me one time is just, just like, is your conversation, your work, this thing you're trying to do in that space, is it going to result in queer people staying alive and black people staying alive and women staying alive more? And that was the only litmus test. If the answer is not a easy, like, yes. Oh, I remember where I was in 2013. I was on my elliptical in my little apartment in Minneapolis Mm. and I was watching a James Cone um lecture i think of it as a sermon but he would probably call it a lecture because he's an academic listen the best the the best academics are all preachers totally yeah and especially the ones like him but i remember him saying everything i do is for the liberation of black people and that's what i was just like speaking all over the evangelical world about reconciliation and square quotes and i just remember thinking stopping my elliptical and being like nothing i do is for the liberation of black people like i'm out there doing things i'm out there saying things i'm out there writing things but like nothing i do is for the liberation Mm. of black people and just real like i mean just having this moment of like what am i doing you know and i had a similar i had a similar moment um in 2015 when i was in um kolkata I was working for Duke at the time. And so I was in India for like Duke work. And um, I just remember getting up at like the crack of dawn to go pray, do morning prayers at the like um, convent that Mother Teresa was at. Mm -hmm. And then I came out of morning prayer and it's still dark and the city is still asleep. And I don't know if you've ever been to Kolkata, but like, it's so chaotic and like, there's, it's so overwhelming. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's any major city in India is going to be similar to this. And Mm -hmm. um, I just remember thinking I should go for a run right now because this is like the I'm like least likely to die if I go for a run right. like that, basically, right? So I get I get out and I'm running and I'm just running around the city and I see just the devastation of the poverty and the inequality and the injustice and just, you know, everything that you see in a major Indian city. Um, and I just remember thinking, I am too gifted at justice work. My mind and my embodied wisdom is too sharp and too useful to be wasting it at Duke when there's Mm. all, when, when we live in this world that has so much need and I have so much to offer that needs, how can I possibly be wasting it in this space? That's just consuming me, you know? And so it's like this, like, it's this both. And it's just like, I'm too sacred for this. And also like the world is too sacred for this. My (laughs) God. For me to be wasting my time being a bridge that people step on when I can Mm -hmm. actually be standing in my power, my sacred Black feminine power, and being a part of co creating a different world, not as a savior, but just being a participant in this world that we're we're co creating that is different. Mm -hmm. So (sighs) there's so much possibility when we stop when we stop focusing on the like toxicity. (laughs) Um, In chapter one, you said imagination is theology. We can only Mm. believe what we imagine. Mm. And I feel like that's kind of the through line of all of this is just like in those spaces, your imagination, I I, I can say the same thing In, in evangelical conservative white male God spaces our imagination is stunted on purpose. And we're told that anything that's outside of the picture drawn for us is sin and is not holy, is not good. And I think the 
the journey of so many marginalized folks is is realizing and coming into this thing of like no like uh, they lied to you we were all lied to maybe even by the nicest people in the world but we were lied to and you don't have to be ashamed of the fact that you got fooled mm-hmm. yeah and that's so much shame that i have carried you know and have had to I continually, you know, she who's um, she who cherishes our hot mess. One of the Black Madonnas mm-hmm. in my book is one. She's probably the one I return to the most because I'm constantly, you know, I think there's a part of me that still has this like white patriarchal impulse to have um, always be arriving, never on a journey. Like always, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of like I've always had it all together. Even when my publisher wanted to put on the back of the book that it was a crisis of faith that sent me on this, I was like, oh, do we want to call it a crisis? You know, even though it was absolutely a crisis, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it was, mm-hmm. I was literally falling apart, right? But there's a part of me that still wants to be like, no, I just woke up like this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And so, and, it, and that, when you think about it, right? Like, talk, talk about a white patriarchal impulse. Like, you're literally blaming the victim. Like, I'm blaming myself for being victimized by this evil system. Mm-hmm. Isn't that fucked? Right? Like, it just goes to show, like, I, like, why, do, why am I ashamed that I need liberation? I was born on the plantation. Like, why am I ashamed that I need liberation? Mm. And the more that I work through my shame, the more I'm able to give people grace and to mm. uh, really offer genuine compassion and love for where mm. they're at on their journey. Yes. Because the more I hate where I'm at and the more I keep track of like, oh, Christina, you still need to fix this. You still need to heal from that. You still need to grow in this area. The more I'm just going to turn that into like a whip towards others, which is just white male God. That's why at one point in my book, I call myself white male God in blackface. Because to the extent that I need to whip other people into shape to make myself feel safe and secure is just Mm. white male God. so it's like it's so deep and so mystical when you really go on this journey you know and you start to uncover these like very these like really murky caverns in your psyche Mm -hmm. and kind of like bring them into the arms of love and say hey let's work with this let's be with this and let's above all give ourselves compassion unbearable compassion like there is um there is a statue of the Buddha um in oh I can't remember where but it's called the Buddha of unbearable compassion with a smile of unbearable compassion mm. and it said that people when they look upon it they just burst into tears because of just they mm. feel that presence um and like even myself like when I think about that idea of an, of such unbearable compassion that you know whether it is like the metaphysical presence of a person or whether it's just a thought inside me what's the difference that's what i say but that's what i feel from you when you're talking about the black madonna madonna and the sacred black feminine that's what i feel from you is like you understand and you like it's just like it's like oh no like i'm not i'm not just touched the source i am the source i get it now and it just it's so evident in your person and how you carry yourself. I just want, uh, your, your book is a gift. Mm. Why? It's okay. Tears are great. Tears are wonderful. Cleansing, cleansing and, and creative. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I know we're coming on time, but I do have five questions, the little rapidy fire things I like to ask people at the end. Okay, sure. (laughs) Round it off. It's very simple. Nothing too deep. Um, What's one thing that you like about yourself? Mm, I love how intense I am. Mm. I'm so intense. Like everything I do. My kind of, my kind of person, like really. Fire. Yeah, I'm a Leo sun, moon, and rising. So I'm just like so much. No way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no wonder. So, and this is like the Leo full moon right now. So I'm, just, I'm fire. She says, I'm in her power. Time. She says, I am mm-hmm. here. And it's also a little bit of fire with a vengeance because my fire was like stamped out for a while, you know, in those spaces. So now it's just like, but yeah, I've I've always just been super intense and I really love that about myself. (laughs) What's one thing that you're super proud of? Mm. 
I'm proud of the fact that my journey towards liberation has like left nothing on the table. Like there's nothing that's mm. held me back. Mm. What is one thing that really pisses you off or is like a pet peeve? It can be petty or profound. Mm. Yeah, a lot of things. Um, right now, I'm really annoyed at the beaver who lives on my pond. What's, what are he, they doing? Well, I, I think he, he just functions with a lot of toxic masculinity. He just takes up a lot of space wow. and sneers at me, sneers at me every morning. The fucking beaver community is out here just mm-hmm. sneering at black women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I think fun. he thinks the lake is his. And then I showed up and he's like taking up space on the lake. Like it's the lake is frozen right now, but in the summer, he'll literally like be backstroking across the lake, just like taking up space. <laughs> he said, I, and, then, and then he'll stop, he'll stop and like sneer at me and be like, hmm. I'm just like, we could be friends. <laughs> he's my friend of me right now, but I have hopes that we'll be friends. Yeah. yeah. He's Listen, definitely a friend I, of me though. Yeah. I want that for you. I believe that the beaver, like, they're just they're just a little shy. Maybe it's just like he's been through some he stuff. He is not shy. Maybe he's been through some stuff, but he's not shy. But yeah, he's out there, oh. he's out there building a dam right now. He's always out there building a dam. They're always building <laughs> men. Always building dams, never trying to irrigate rivers, you know? <laughs> anyway. Trying to stop the flow. Always trying to stop the flow. Huh. <laughs> My goodness. Listen, y'all, don't take us to church now. Um, what's one thing that you're super committed to? More than ever, I am more committed to, I'm, I'm, a, I'm more of a theist than ever, which is so funny because a lot of people from my old world would say, oh, she lost her faith. And I'm like, actually, I am more committed to the experience of God and the divine than I have mm-hmm. ever been in my whole life because I actually believe that she will show up, that she's present, that she's doing things, and I just have to pay attention. I just yeah. have to pay attention. Y'all didn't know you were getting a masterclass. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Last thing. Uh, what's one thing you would like to do before you die? Hmm. Wow. I don't know. I feel like I'm always doing things that I like. I don't have a bucket list. But it I have, would. It doesn't have to be deep. Yeah. Just something you maybe haven't done before that you'd like to do before you die. Yeah, I'd like to go in a hot air balloon. Hmm. I've never That's done nice. that. And I've always wanted to, but it just hasn't worked out. And it's expensive. <laughs> yeah. I have a friend of mine, like, I know it's just like, it's the, like, they're, they're, it's like airplanes. Like, it's, pro- it's probably very safe. But, like, you go down, you crash in an airplane versus crashing a car. It's like, you know, go down in an airplane versus parachuting, you know. That's me, though. I'm going to talk to God about that. We'll be fine. Okay. Yeah. I, um, I need some like white, I need some white person who has a hot air balloon to do like a reparations thing and just let a bunch of black people go in a hot air balloon one day. Yeah. Because it's hey, very if you're expensive. To this, you have a lot. Yeah. It's like $400. Yeah. If you're listening to this, <laughs> if you're, I know, I know people out there who are my friends. I know you have money. Pay, PayPal, Christina Cleveland, $400. To make this small and achievable dream come true. Mm-hmm. I believe in it. That would be awesome. Um, <laughs> where can humans um, find you and your work and all that shit on the interwebs? Yeah, I mean, the best Even thing- though you're going off the interwebs. Well, I'm, I'm not going off the interwebs, but I will I will be leaving social media in April. Um, I'll be on... Um, but, but I'm creating this, like, amazing newsletter. So it'll be way better for people. Because I'm not, I'm not, like, good... If, you're, if you just want to scroll, I'm not for you. <laughs> If you want to chew on something, I'm for you. So, <laughs> yeah. so a newsletter is a better format. But um, yeah, go to my website, ChristinaCleveland.com, um, and there's so many different ways to get connected to my work and support my work. And also, we are leading a virtual Black Madonna pilgrimage to all the Black Madonnas in my book starting in April. So you can get on my newsletter list, and we'll keep you abreast of that transformational journey too. Hell yeah, Christina Cleveland, thank you so Yay. much for. Excuse me, Dr. Christina Cleveland, PhD. PhD. <laughs> <laughs> Put them both on there. Esquire. Like Esquire. Like, just, add, just add everything. No, no, I just have to. You know, co co heir to the universe. <laughs> <laughs>
that was one of those conversations that has my blood pumping with excitement. And if you're like, if your if your blood's not pumping, I need to check. You need to check. Is she beating? Is that little heart in your chest beating? Hello. Oh my God. That was my conversation with Dr. Christina Cleveland, PhD. Um, the please go pick up her newest book, God is a Black Woman, available where all fine books are sold. Please try to support to our local bookstores whenever possible. Um, yeah. So again, I love you. I'm so glad you decided to come back for another episode. Um, I'd love to invite you also to come hang out with me on Fridays, 4 p.m. live on YouTube and on the Twitter and everywhere else I'm on the internet for my live show with my friend Sarah Heath called Your Favorite Ants. It's truly just a place where we get together and are just, you know, this is the place where we, I allow myself to be petty and bitchy and really complain about shit because I don't do that most of the time. But in there, that's where I really, I, except for on this podcast too now that I think about it. Anyways, um, it's a great show. I'd love for you to come hang out with us there. In fact, um, you should hang out with us everywhere. Um, and if you want to join the conversation, if this, if this, uh, if this podcast blessed you, um, if it helped open your mind at all, and maybe you want to support the show because you believe in investing in the content creators that are making shit that matters, then easy way to do that, come over and join the crowded table. It's, I, I know it's, I've been talking about it at the top of the show, at the end of the show, and I'm going to keep talking about it because it's blessing my life. Because um, not only, A, yes, it does ha- help pay my bills. Won't lie, that's a huge reason I want you to go do it because I, I need the support. Like, you know, we got a mortgage to pay. You know, we got student loans that Joe apparently is not going to forgive. So <laughs> if you... Uh, Again, if you like the show, please go support it. If you don't want to do that, you can send me a PayPal or Venmo or Cash App. It's all the Kevin Garcia. Everything helps, but I'd rather you just have continuous support and join a community of continuous support. It's a great, great thing. So go to thecrowdedtable.mn.co. Join today. You know you've wanted to for a while. Even if you don't engage in the community, just want to send your cash. That's helpful. Okay. Let me stop badgering you about that. Um, another way you can support the show, please leave us a rating, uh, both in Apple Podcasts and in Spotify. It's super duper simple. You can follow me across the internet at the Kevin Garcia. My book is called Bad Theology Kills. Get it at badtheologykills.com. And see you on April 2nd for the event. Until next time, I'm Kevin. I love you so much. Bye-bye. Meow, 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 meow.